Hello and welcome back. I'm Jojo Fraser. It's time for a Mojo Injection, episode 151. It's lovely to have you here, sending you lots and lots of love and mojo and hugs via the podcast. I hope you've had a good week. And if not, I hope this is just a nice, friendly voice for you to tune into. So thank you for coming back. I tried something a bit new uh, this week, the night before World Sleep Day, actually. I went to my first sound bath, like my first official sound bath event. I've always wanted to try it. And I think there's a part of us post-pandemic that, you know, putting yourself out, going to events, seeing people again. I don't know about you, but I still, you know, I see my house as like my little safety net and I've got really used to being kind of cosy at home and just having baths or watching movies or reading or mucking about with the kids or you know, going for walks and stuff. So actually to go out and try something new, um, meet new people, um, do something a bit different, I, I sort of have to push myself sometimes, but you know it's good to try new things and mix things up in your week just to get a little bit of variety. So I was really glad I tried that. It was so soothing. I still feel pretty chill today, actually. I've also booked up my first singing lesson. I thought, you know, I've always wanted to have them. Why not just commit to one and see how you get on? So I've got that in a couple of weeks too. So my challenge to you is try something new. Um, So yeah, try something new. Be kind to yourself. Do things that make you go, ah. I actually put an article on the blog with World Sleep Day with my tips for sleep. I know that if you've been through insomnia or something scary like that, you'll probably be thinking about, you know, how much we need to protect your sleep. We speak on this episode about health and how that has to be number one priority. And for me, if I ever feel my sleep going, I'm like, no, no. Um, Thankfully, I've slept pretty well um, for the past, well, since being in recovery, so a couple of years. Um, And I was really nervous when I came off my meds that I wouldn't sleep, but I'm sleeping well. And I think it's such a pillar of well-being for me. So if you check out mommyjojo.com, I've got some tips on there about sleep. So now about my guest. So I have got Sam from Manson Personal Training and Sam is trained in, um, during COVID as he says, he trained in behavioural um, coaching and looking at the mind. He's also a trained PT, um, but also, you know, talking about what really drives us, you know, and how people don't like being told what to do. And sometimes what I love about um, this chat was I'm saying we need to let people figure things out for themselves. Have you ever had a friend who, you know, will tell you after you've split up with someone, oh, I didn't like them, or I knew that was going to end. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? You had to figure it out for yourself. Or maybe you've made a mistake and you're talking about it years later and your friend's like, oh, I'm really glad you can see that now. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? Because that wouldn't be any fun. That's part of the game of life, right? That's how we get wise through our mistakes. I'll try and remember that as I'm raising children, that you've got to let them make a bit of their mistakes and, and learn through that and know that life isn't perfect and that's okay and that they got it and you got it and I got it. Um, so I love that. So I'll put Sam's details in the notes. I wasn't expecting this conversation to go where it did. So he started speaking all about his passion for carnivorism and meat and how that's changed his life. And I really understand where this passion comes from, hearing him talk about type 1 diabetes and the sort of fears he had there and knowing that he had to take a a sort of chance and do something. And I love him speaking about his heroes. I'm so bad with names, by the way. 
a lot of people in here will ask me, do you know them? And I'm like, the name rings a bell. He was like, do you know Jordan Peterson? I'm like, name rings a bell. I'm like, eh. I was looking at his work and it's all about, um, you know, why he is passionate about meat. And Sam basically tried this and was like feeling amazing, like the blood sugar levels and talks a lot about that and um, how his sleep was improving, his energy was improving. And there'll be a lot of people, you know, maybe if you're a vegan, listen to this or from a sustainability point of view. I know meat's not uh, exactly the most popular thing for many now. We're trying to, we're being often advised to have less meat. But it was really interesting to hear. I, I like to, you know, we say here, judge less, live more. And it was good just to learn and to listen with an open mind. And I think it's so important to to let if someone has found something that works for them and they've tried lots of things to encourage each other and to to not judge and to listen with an open mind so yeah it was fascinating hearing him talk about that said some controversial things about how some plants aren't meant to be eaten um, and you know some people have bad reactions to vegetables whereas we're often told eat your veg eat your veg but you know, he's chatting about someone who had a terrible reaction to mushrooms and, and things like that. So I always say, you do you, be kind, respect people's opinion. And um, we're all different. We all have different stories and we all have different challenges in life. And um, yeah, it was really interesting to, didn't expect the conversation to sort of go down the route it did, but yeah, it was, it was interesting to dig a little bit deeper. I'm very inquisitive, as you'll know. Um, so if you have, um, you know, diabetes or you know people that do or you've got questions about this kind of lifestyle or other mindset things, all of Sam's details are in the show notes. And yeah, just jump in. All my love to you. Have a great week. 151 episodes. Wowzers. Um, yeah, and keep the topic requests coming too at mummyjojoblog at gmail.com or you can get me at Jojo Fraser Mojo. Right, guys, all the love. Mm, let's do it. Right, Sam, welcome to Time for a Mojo Injection. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Thanks for having me. No, oh, it's really nice. Always love meeting new people. And you're obviously passionate about people with their mindset, be it energy, health, fitness, stuff like that. And I realized over the, the lockdown period that, you know, everyone was sort of like losing the, the will to go on and, you know, exercise and eat right and stay motivated. You know, their mindset, like mental health just totally dropped completely. Um, and then when we had a second lockdown, I realized I had to do something different. So I got into behavior change coaching. Mm-hmm. And I there's, you know, many different reasons why I've done it. Like I'm also type one diabetic, which is where a massive part of the, the whole health area comes into it for me. But I realized that, you know, you can tell someone how to eat right, and you can tell someone how to exercise properly, efficiently. but that is like 5% of the entire puzzle. And there's so much more going on in the background, whether it's work, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, um, you know, kids, anything like that. They are all the things that you can be struggling with that can hold you back from getting to like where you really want to be with all your goals. So that's what got me into, into this game. 
Amazing. And I guess with the mindset stuff, because once you, you go down that path, there's so much to learn, right? And it's, it's really interesting oh, yeah. when you think of, you know, we've all got our own stories and we've all got our own kind of things that can hold us back. And it can be, it's like peeling an onion almost all these layers when you try and work out why we are a certain way and barriers and things like this. I mean, did you in your life, could you, did it get you thinking about sort of barriers that were in your way in the past or things that stopped you from health or energy well-being? So I suppose we've been type 1 diabetic. Uh, I've been, I'm 31 years old now. I've been diabetic since the age of four. And I used to let it hold me back in a lot of areas, especially driving. So obviously you can learn to drive at the age of 17. I would not trust myself behind the wheel of a car when I was that age. And that was, a lot of that was due to being diabetic. Just, you know, blood sugar control. If your bloods are too high, you, it affects you in some ways. But if your bloods are too low, it can, you know, affect you in other ways as well. It's quite dangerous. So I'd, I'd say that held me back. But then in my mid-20s, when I was training to be a PT, I realised that if I'm going to have this responsibility of taking care of others, I really need to sort my own life out as well as I can. And that's when I started to look at things differently and not let my diabetes hold me back anymore. So, yeah, that's probably where I got off to the that. Oh, amazing. It's just like that fear as well. It's when you're like, you have a challenge like that, it can kind of hold you back in your head you're sort of overthinking and it's an anxiety to try and keep yourself safe but it's you want you want to get the most out of your life as you say and it's like challenging that limiting belief isn't it absolutely yeah and were the things in the course then was there like something that you learned that really really stuck with you in that time of training so with behavior change coaching what I learned is people don't like being told what to do because they will always rebel against it. And as a personal trainer, you can appreciate that a lot of the time it's being told what to do. A lot of people say, I need a trainer because they're going to make me do things. But with behavior change coaching, you know, you break down all the barriers and you try and find the root cause of the problem that that person got. Now, whether they are aware of that problem or not, it is just about listening and, you know, just trying to find out that, that struggle area that they're really, you know, trying to resolve. So on that, I suppose I found that the answers are in questions that you can ask. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that person, that individual that you're working with, they'll come to that answer themselves and rather than setting a task as in right i want you to go and eat this way or i want you to go and follow this exercise regime you find that if you just change small things at a time it could be let's look at your breakfast you're eating sugary cereal every single day how do you think you can improve on that they might know the answer you might have to guide them a little bit but changing small things one step at a time is enough to help that person move forward. And even if it's just a tiny little goal that they've achieved and it takes them a week to do it, they're going to get some, you know, internal positive feedback from achieving that. 
and it'll make them feel better and they'll be ready to take on the next task rather than have this abundance of I've got to achieve all this within a short period of time or else I'm never going to get fitter and healthier because it becomes very very overwhelming yeah it's a lot have you ever been with someone where you've kind of got to the root of the problem and you could see it but they couldn't more often than not that does happen you so with behavior change coaching I, I do a lot of this online so it's calls just like this and you try your best to not give the person the answer because it's like back in school if the teacher or the tutor tells you everything you're never going to learn you learn through discussion you learn through seeking for the answers yourself you learn through mistakes you learn through challenges you know there's all different quotes out there saying like if, if everything was easy and went you know in a straight line and smoothly you would never learn right from wrong or what works and what doesn't act of kindness or someone that's maybe not even realized they've been a big influence in your life and helped you to become a happier person i wouldn't say anyone that i like not not anyone in person that i've met but you know like when you're following people on social media or if you're if you've got certain authors that you follow so one of the biggest influences for me was uh a doctor type one diabetic doctor called uh, richard bernstein mm -hmm. and he had a book called diabetes solutions which absolutely changed my life on how to manage diabetes and basically my overall outlook on it and the fact is that his methods of controlling diabetes um is completely different from what is from america but it's completely different from you know, the American Diabetes Association or even the NHS over here, how we would handle it. And I often find when I do have my diabetes appointments, I go in and it's more just a friendly chat that I have with them because they've got, you know, my not to brag or anything, but my diabetes control is as good as it could possibly be. Mm -hmm. And they'll say to me, I wish you were other patients had this sort of control but legally they can't advise because of or well for legal reasons they can't advise um to control their diabetes through the same sort of methods as i do because it's not condoned by the, the nhs but yeah this uh, this dr bornstein definitely woke me up in that regard and you know like after you know being being diabetic for all these years you you go through your teens, you're experimenting, you're drinking alcohol, you're, you know, going out multiple times during the week, and that sort of like drip feeds into your twenties as well. But then eventually, and like I always managed to get away with it, you know, like I never had any scares. The diabetes is a, I, I describe it as like a, a slow killer if you don't look after it. Mm -hmm. It'll just creep up on you one day. You'll think you're fine, and then next thing. You know you're you're losing the sensation in your your fingers or your toes or your your eyesight maybe not as good um and i didn't want that to happen to me so when i read this book i was being brought up to speed with all the complications that can happen later on in life uh, if i didn't get it under control and that was probably the biggest wake-up call and from then on i've literally just treated it as
is number one priority. Health as well, in my opinion. Yeah, no, totally. So that would probably be your number one value, isn't it? It's like, this is what I have to, because when you've got your values in place, then it's easier to kind of put the actions in place to achieve them because you know, right, over, say, money or, or whatever. My number one is health. So sometimes you might have to say no to things that may bring you different values, but it's like, if it clashes with you know, the priority and health. I, I believe health should be everyone's number one value, actually, because, and, and for me, it was probably going through a health scare and seeing others go through a health scare that got me there, but even more so going through it myself because I was like, well, if I don't have my health, then I can't be there for my kids. I can't be there for my family and friends. I can't enjoy my life. So it should sort of be something that we prioritize like our life depends on it because it actually does. Hundred percent. I mean, everything else should fall second to your health. And the majority of people that I speak to or have worked with, the the biggest, the most common factor that I see across the board is the stresses that come from the work. You know, they're putting work first, and their health is suffering massively from that. So, you know, they might be working really hard trying to save up as much money so they can go on all these nice holidays and you know like have have the car have the house have the materialistic things but in hindsight you could look at it as it's very short-lived because mm -hmm. later on down the line you're being told that your blood pressure's through the roof or you're at risk for a heart attack you know something like that all because you've you've went for food options or you've let stress get the better of you and you put your priorities into the wrong sort of area. Mm -hmm. So it's a common denominator, I would say. So is and, and would you say in terms of health priorities, would you say to people, just say someone comes to you and they're like, right, my health's taking a toll, um, overweight, I'm breathless, and whatever it is. Would you start with food or exercise? Would you feel they're both equally important? They are both important. However, I am of the belief that nutrition is the utmost importance over exercise because the majority of problems out there can be fixed with just fixing your nutrition. Mm -hmm. But it's like the old saying goes, you can't out-train a bad diet. So you can do all the jogging, all the weightlifting, all the yoga, all the swimming, walking as much as you want. That isn't going to fix internally what's going on with the, which can happen due to the, the types of foods that you can be eating. And there's a lot of contrast and opinions about, you know, what's the best way to eat, like, you know, is it all about calories? Um, is going vegan or vegetarian the best way? I actually follow a low-carb diet because it keeps my diabetes glucose levels in absolute check. And it works absolute wonders for me. It's not for everybody, but uh, I've done this with people who aren't diabetic as well, and it's fixed a lot of problems and worked wonders for them. So I think, you know, there's that saying as well, the right diet for you is the one that, that you can stick to. Mm -hmm. And I hate using that word diet, you know, because everyone goes on a diet just to come off a diet and they might get results for 
eight weeks, 12 weeks, but as soon as they fall back into the same habits that they had before, they've got all those same problems again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nutrition, we look at nutrition about, like, you know, does it fuel you? Is it going to help you gain muscle? Is it going to help you lose body fat? But all in all, I'd say it's how it affects you mentally the most. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to eat, it's like that thing, you are what you eat. If you're going to eat crap, you're going to feel crap. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to eat good food, do that consistently. Give it a few weeks and you'll feel 10 times better. Mm, that's so true. So talk to us about what, what you would eat in an average day or if you got like certain meals that you love that you can, you find it easy to keep consistent for you. All right, this is where we're, uh, <laughs> we're going to be going into territory that some people might find a bit confusing. So the term low carb, right, that's quite a, a broad spectrum. So you can be in low carb and basically just consume less carbohydrates. And, you know, you have your protein sources. Always think we should prioritize protein because protein, you know, it's, it's for growth, repair, it builds tissues, things like that. We, protein is essential. Okay, so you need to get that in. Fats are essential, but there are there aren't such a thing as uh, essential carbohydrates because your liver will make all the glucose that it needs to power any cell in the body that requires glucose. Okay, so I for a while you maybe have heard of keto before. Yep. Keto and a ketosis as well when you go into ketosis. So around 2016, I discovered uh, the keto diet and being type one diabetic again, I'm thinking, you know, I'd, I'd already been in college for two years. I'd been in doing fitness for a good five, six years, probably longer than that, actually. And the, the concept of removing or lowering a complete macronutrient in your diet just seemed like insane. Mm. But I thought, you know what, I'm willing to give anything a try. So I lower my carbohydrates, and I think I was getting roughly about 50 grams a day. But being type 1 diabetic, my bloods were just crashing constantly, and I couldn't sustain it. And then it wasn't until I'd done more research where I realized that, yeah, I might be taking less insulin for the meals that I'm having, but my overall background insulin was the requirement there was that had to come down as well which I didn't do so the second time I gave it a bash um I was a bit more equipped this time and I I knew what to do and it worked very very well and you know everything started getting better better blood sugar control better mood better sleep better energy uh, focus uh it was it was amazing it was like you know, it was almost like being like just having a really deep sleep and then waking up and you're like reborn. That's that's how it felt for me anyway. Oh. But those those kind of meals would consist of mostly just meat and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can get quite fancy with it. There's plenty of people out there that I've found on social media and YouTube where they they're all great cooks and chefs and or bakers and they, they create low carb products and meals to eat mm-hmm. but for me it was just so simple to just look at any meal that you have and remove the carbohydrates 
So if that was rice, if it was pasta, if it was potatoes, um, you just take that out. And essentially you can leave it at that with the protein and the, so say it was chicken or meat uh, and the vegetables, or you could replace it with like, uh, let's see, spaghetti is a good example. Take spaghetti out, you can make like spiralized courgette mm-hmm. and put that in. And it works, it works really, really well. Or another one that I discovered myself actually was uh, lasagna. So lasagna is a pasta dish. It has lasagna sheets. You remove the lasagna sheets and you know um you get the cheese sheets, like Edam mm-hmm. cheese that comes in like sheet form. You, you literally make it the exact same way, but you use the cheese sheets instead of the pasta sheets. And you don't want to put the, the pasta sauce in, you know, the jar sauce, because that's got a lot of rubbish in it as well. Yeah. But you can obviously make your own. So there's, I've, I've found a lot of people when they like, when I speak to them about this and they're like, I want to give that a try, but I just don't know what to eat. If you give them everyday sort of family homemade meal recipe, mm-hmm. but it's like a variation or a twist on on that, mm-hmm. they, they don't feel like they're making that much of a change. And they actually probably turn around most of the time and say they enjoy it a lot more. So it's 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 interesting, but I mean, for me, even right now, I I just eat meat and vegetables. No. It's it's easy. It's my lifestyle. It suits my lifestyle. Just to well, do it like that. I actually had a cheeseburger salad yesterday for my lunch. So oh, no right. bread, and I'd been lifting weights, and then I went in an ice cold plunge. Um, just a blow up thing in my garden, nothing fancy. And <laughs> I, I was like, I was hungry though. So there was some soup in the fridge, although that had, uh, it was a scotch broth. So that would have carbs in it, right? That would the barley and all that. Would that be non-keto? Well, you've got to ask yourself, are you going low carb or are you going keto? Yeah. Because keto is simply, are you, is your body creating ketones? from the way that you're eating. Mm-hmm. Because you can you can have more carbs and be like, see athletes, if you're an elite level athlete, you could probably eat 50 to 100 grams of carbs, potentially, and still be in ketosis. Mm-hmm. Because you're that active, your insulin sensitivity is so high that mm-hmm. you can get away with more. Whereas somebody that, works behind a desk for a living it's got quite a sedentary lifestyle mm-hmm. they might need to get their carb intake to below 30 grams which is kind of like the the basis you know the general guidance for it you know get your carbs before below 30 maybe below 20 and then you're going to ketosis mm-hmm. um but yeah the the soup that you mentioned there if, if you were to list off a range of foods that you know would be like keto approved if you if you wanted to be one of those people because there's plenty of them out there a, a broth soup would probably be on the no-no list mm-hmm, it'll be on the bad are you so are you keto then or are you low carb uh, in all honesty i'm actually a step further than keto now i'm actually carnivore oh so that's a whole different ball game altogether so does that mean you don't No, you have veg though do you see so up until about two weeks ago, so the start of this year, I was doing keto again, mm-hmm. and then I took it a step further and went full-blown carnivore. Now, I've done this once before, 
and like I said, I will try anything once because I'm not going to talk to anyone about a certain subject unless I've lived it myself. Uh-huh. So back in 2020, over the first lockdown, I went full on carnivore for 12 weeks. Wow. And let's just say, if you consume a typical carbohydrate-based diet and you feel however you feel, say that's about here, when you do keto, you feel enhanced. Mm-hmm. And when you do carnivore, you're you're up here, you're in the heavens, man. Really? It's, it's insane the difference that I felt like. Everything improves when you're on keto, in my opinion. Inflammation goes away, um, you know, better sleep energy, all that sort of stuff that I mentioned before. But one thing that stuck out for me is I could go to sleep after midnight and wake up between five and six in the morning on four to five hours sleep and be like absolutely fully energy, buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Now that didn't happen after the first couple of weeks. And if I've just started this again from the start of January, you know, I'm only two weeks into it, two and a half weeks into it maybe. Um, And I'm not there yet, but I know in the coming months, I'm going to start to see differences in my energy and my sleep quality, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just, the whole science behind it um, is that plants, there's there's a theory that plants never wanted to be eaten. Okay. There'll so, be a lot of vegans going, what? <laughs> oh, this! Oh, I know it's it's very difficult to get into a conversation uh, with a vegan or a vegetarian on this subject. But plants have uh, phytonutrients and they have phytochemicals in them. Okay, and these are basically defense mechanisms that the plants contain. And us as humans, if we eat them, you know, we don't feel anything negative is happening to us. But if you were an insect and you tried to eat this plant, the insect would would die because Mm -hmm. it's it's been poisoned. Whereas the theory is inflammation can occur from even eating some types of vegetables. Now it sounds mad because we're always told, you know, eat your vegetables, five portions a day, even fruit. I don't eat any fruit either, by the way. Well, there's sugar in that. (laughs) It is natural sugar, and it's protected by the the fibre, but, yeah, cutting it out feels ten times better. No way. Do you know what's funny, though, because that's what you hear all the time, fruit, up your fruit and vegetables, but my mum is, like, she always makes soup and stuff, but there's so many fruits she can't eat and quite a few vegetables would make her feel really unwell. There you go, maybe carnivores the way forward for her. She's always had her meat. So so you think that some vegetables are harmful then? They, I suppose they, they can be. Now, I I could eat any vegetable and I, I wouldn't notice a difference. Like I don't feel anything day to day. But in the carnivore world, 
there's two names that I first came across that uh, got me into it, and one is uh, Michaela Peterson. Have you ever heard of Jordan Peterson? It rings a bell. Okay. It's, it's his daughter and uh, a doctor called Sean Baker. And Michaela Peterson basically is allergic to everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I was watching one of her YouTube podcasts and, you know, she's rattling off everything medical-wise that was happening to her. And you're thinking, how long does this list go on? And for years and years, you know, she was getting depression, she was getting chronic fatigue, she was getting daily migraines. I mean, skin irritations, if I remember right, everything. Mm-hmm. And every single medical professional or doctor was just throwing another pill at her. And nothing was, you know, it might ease the symptoms, but, you know, it, it didn't really help the cause. So she, I can't remember what inspired her or got, what she said got her into it, but she started the elimination diet, really, where she just stripped everything back to just red meat. Not just meat, red meat, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like beef. And I remember her saying that after one week, this illness started to get better. By the second week, the migraines were lifting, all that sort of stuff. So what she would do is she would, reintroduce one food at a time like one vegetable at a time see how that works and if i remember right it was something like she added in broccoli or she added in mushrooms and the result was catastrophic like the symptoms of her illnesses just came flooding back in a heartbeat so she would know right i can't get away with that so obviously out of anyone I have ever come across, that is the most extreme case imaginable. Mm-hmm. And obviously, for potentially you and I and most people we know, it's not going to be like that. But if if I eat vegetables, which are a form of carbohydrate, even though they're very, very low carbs, the difference in blood sugar control and how I feel on a daily basis sleep quality mood all that sort of thing carnivore keto there there is a significant difference wow so at the moment what do you have do you have like bacon and sausages for your breakfast or what's your kind of meat so i I tried it that way before bacon and sausages now obviously sausages is is still processed so when Mm -hmm. i do keto there's going to be a little bit of carbs and sausages. If they're gluten-free, if you get your standard sausage, um, the binding agent has got like, you know, rusk and flour and stuff in it, which obviously brings a lot more carbs. Yeah. But gluten-free sausages, if you get good ones, you can get down to like one gram of carb per sausage. But the idea of this way of eating is that you're trying to eliminate as much processed food as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. So the way I describe this to people is, when you, 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 you cut a bit of bacon off the side of a pig or you cut a steak off the side of a cow or, you know, a lamb steak off a, a sheep or a lamb, but um, you don't cut a burger off a, a cow and you don't cut a sausage off a, a pig. You, they, they go through a process to make them. So the first time uh, 
I did try carnivore. I was still eating burgers and you know sausages, realizing that you know I could probably cut them out. So I did eventually, and that's when things did start to get better. Bacon, bacon's a weird one because as much as it is the genuine, you know, piece of strip of meat, if you read the back label on the sorry on the back of the package and the ingredients list, it'll have more often than not, you know, things added to it like preservatives. Mm-hmm. It always you ever noticed? Say you buy like beef or chicken, it'll have an expiry date that's probably within that week that mm-hmm. you purchased it. Mm-hmm. But bacon, you could keep it in the fridge for another month. Yeah. But what does that tell you? That tells you that there's something no quite, you know, organic about that there. Like there's, there's something added to preserve that. So there's a lot of carnivores out there that probably eat a packet of bacon a day. I know I used to, but I've not had bacon so far this year because mm-hmm. I'm trying to not it's not a case of being as strict as possible. I'm just trying to eliminate as much processed food just to see if I feel the best that I can. So what's your favourite? I mean, chicken breast, steak, lamb, venison steak? Oh, venison's expensive. I've not had venison in a while, actually. I almost but, got um, today, actually, and I was like, oh, I'm the only one in the house that eats venison, and I quite like it. You know, you're meant to have it kind of rare or medium rare. I fried it with butter for people once for a wee starter, and it was amazing. But, um, yeah, I didn't get it, Ned. <laughs> very rich taste. Yeah, it's, I know it's nice, but I've not had it in a long time. Um, what's my favourite? Well, I love pork belly. Oh, nice. So, if if no one was aware yet, when when you start this way of eating, you have to get your energy from somewhere. So, mm-hmm. most of the population gets their energy from carbohydrates. Okay. When you when you stop eating the carbohydrates or drastically reduce them, your body is going to need to get some energy. So if you're holding a lot of body fat, mm-hmm. you know, think of body fat as untapped food sources. Okay. But once you start leaning out, then yeah, you do need to increase your fat intake. So ideally you want to get this through your foods and you want to get it through animal food, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing carnival. So pork belly is the fattiest part of the, the pig that you can get. Mm-hmm. You got all different types, like you know, you get like loin steaks and you get pork shoulder. And fat is where the flavour is as well. Mm. If you eat five percent mint and then the next day you eat twenty five percent or twenty percent mint, you will seriously uh, notice a difference in the flavour. Nowhere near as tasty as the twenty percent stuff, ah. and it's cheaper. It's it I, I, this. This is what's crazy. This everywhere. A lot of people have said to me, "Oh, you know what? It seems like it would be really expensive to eat this way." It, they could not be more wrong. It is the cheapest way of living I have ever done in my life. So, I would say, on average, I probably spend about. Fifteen pounds a week on food. Wow, because that's. I was thinking. Yeah, of- that's me eating to to um, uh, what's the word? To you know, I'm. 
I'm I feel full when I when I have this food. It's not like I'm I'm trying to cut out calories or anything. The idea is to to eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. And I've I've lived by that model for for years. But if you eat a carbohydrate based diet, you know you've got your meat in there, you've got your vegetables, you've probably got some desserts. You're going to have cheeses. You'll have sauces, condiments, all these sort of things. Um. And I think it would be safe to say most people probably, for an individual person, probably spend over £50 a week mm-hmm. or over £200 a month, potentially, on food. And that's not even including, you know, like eating out or getting a takeaway or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's ridiculously cheap because I, I shop at, at Lidl and you see the 5% mint, which is about a 250 gram packet. Mm-hmm. And it's about two pound odds, nearly three pound. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the twenty percent mints or the twenty-five percent mints. It's double the size, and it's about one pound twenty or one pound thirty. Wow. And it's so it's, you get more, more flavour, and it's cheaper. I mean, it's ticking all boxes for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. and do you so do you cook it with oil or butter or anything like that? So. You want to cook foods with fat, mm-hmm. all right? Because one, that's where the flavour is, and it's going to grease the pan. Mm-hmm. Now, there's that in the mince that I have. There's that much fat in it that I don't need to put anything in. Mm-hmm. If I was going to cook eggs, because eggs do have fat in them, but they're not like there's not a lot of fat in them. Mm-hmm. And you, we all know what it's like when you try and fry an egg and that, and it sticks to the pan. I mean, it just ruins it completely. So butter in the pan up with uh, with butter or even with coconut oil i think they're the two best sources that you can use to use and another one is olive oil is brilliant but not for cooking yeah they say it's bad when you heat it up yeah it's got a low flash point or a low heat point so mm. it, it, it goes bad um the theory is that it goes it turns carcinogenic um once it so the heat that it would get to when you're you're frying foods or anything like that, it's not good for it at all. But I, I consume a lot of olive oil because mm-hmm. olive oil is really, really good for you, especially if it's like extra virgin. So when do you use it then? Yeah, I just, you know, put it over foods when, when they're already on the plate. Or yeah. you, you'll think I'm mad saying this, but every morning I open up the my jar of coconut oil and I'll have a tablespoon straight in oh. and throughout the day I'll maybe take a little swig of olive oil as well because for me it's energy I'm yeah. fueling myself now yeah I'm running on body fat I've, I've you know I've, I've leaned out quite a lot since I've been doing this consistently but the leaner you are the more fat you need to take in and I'm getting on average 200 grams of fat in a day mostly from saturated fats from the meats. And this is another one that might uh, turn the years up with people, but saturated fat is actually what we need to be consuming the most. Mm-hmm. So it's around, yeah, there's three different ones that are good anyway, saturated, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, and we need about 70% saturated fat, because that's what comes from the animal products. Mm-hmm. But mainstream media, government guidelines, they sort of, you in a different direction do you i mean for you though if you're not having any fruit or vegetables 
at the moment, do you not get like constipated or do you feel like you're missing certain nutrients? So I'm glad you brought that one up because when I done keto, I knew I was getting fiber and I knew I was getting the nutrients from the vegetables. Okay. And then when I started carnivore, you eliminate fiber and you don't have any vegetables. So you've got to ask yourself, where am I going to get the fiber from? Where am I going to get these nutrients that are apparently only in vegetables? The research I've done would suggest that there is more nutrients in animal food than there is actually in vegetables. Mm-hmm. Now, I've only come across a few sources because this it isn't, it isn't a big topic. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's areas all over the internet where you can find this information out. But, you know, in, compared to the last 50 years, everything's always been about, you know, stay away from saturated fat, eat more grains, count your calories, all that sort of stuff. And I do the complete opposite and I have never felt better. Like I'm thriving on this. Mm-hmm. But with fiber, there's a talk on YouTube. Um, there's a channel called Low Carb Down Under. And I think the, the guy taking the talk is called Dr. Paul Mason. And the, the topic is all about fiber. So long story short, he says, do we really need fiber? And then he has a, a slideshow. And, and a graph or a chart, sorry, of all these different arms. And he's got one group that ate a high fiber diet for X amount of weeks, one that ate a medium fiber diet, one arm that ate a low fiber, and one that ate zero fiber. So typically a carnivore based diet. And then they wanted to see what the results were in terms of any sort of bowel movements, any inflammation pardon me, that they um that they would have by the end of it. And to my absolute surprise, because this was back when I first came across this, the group that ate the most fiber, so the high fiber diet, had the most problems in terms of bowel movements, constipation, uh just sore stomachs, you know. Um, acid reflux, you know, things like that. And the group that had zero fiber, so on the carnivore diet, had no problems whatsoever. Really? Uh, it's strange, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think I came across this before I started this way of eating. And yeah, I I can I can testify to that. You've been no so- problems like whatsoever. Just having no no fiber, really? and we're told fiber's good because you know it's meant to feed your uh, gut bacteria and it, it cleans out your gut and things like that. But you know, for everything I learn or I come across, I'll I'll take it in. I won't take it as gospel. And if I maybe come across it again, I'll look at it a little bit more. But I'll I'll always take in multiple different things and try them and see what do I learn myself like I would never just take somebody's word for it because you know we've all taken 
the government's word for it and the media's word for it and the food industry's word for it and you know we're we're in a an epidemic of obesity and type 2 diabetes and heart attacks and you know all of these problems that are related to like metabolic syndrome and things like that and that, that's another topic completely but yeah um things need to change and unfortunately i don't think in in my lifetime we'll actually see it changed enough but here we are so you're all for this carnivore lifestyle at the moment then I'm all for it. I understand that it's not for everyone, but you know, even though I've I've experienced keto, I've done low carb, I've done keto, I've done carnivore, and it, it's almost like tier one, tier two, tier three. It gets better every time. Oh. But if everyone, in my opinion, if everyone changed or switched to a a low carb diet, you would start to see the need for medication just drastically reduced. And is that made because of spikes and to do with the blood levels and stuff? Well, from a diabetic standpoint, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the foods that we eat, the, the way that they're, it's not real food. I mean, the standard diet is not real food. It's all manipulated food. Mm -hmm. You know, the cereals and the, even if you look at like, I think there was a picture I saw that had a, a vegan burger. And when you look at the picture, if it didn't have all the slogans and the, the words on it, you would just think it was a normal meat patty. Mm -hmm. But it was compared side by side with a beef burger. Mm -hmm. And the beef burger had ingredients 100% beef. Mm -hmm. The vegan burger had about 20 to 30 different things. And you've got to ask yourself, is that really what we're trying to strive for? Now, I've, I've got no problem with someone being vegetarian or vegan. And if you're doing it for a, a moral standpoint, then, you know, hats off to you. But I would, I would say if you're doing it because you believe it's for health, mm -hmm. then you've possibly been, I would say you've been mis misled mm -hmm. in that regard. Well, I know a few vegans and vegetarians out there, but. That's no, but, you know, everyone, this is all about keeping an open mind and learning from different peoples. And as you say, your experience has been really positive. Some people, you know, I've heard someone say they had a lot of protein, they were having barbecues stuff, then they had really bad constipation. Now, they probably ate other things, but they were convinced that was what caused it. So everyone's got different stories and different experiences and thoughts, right? But if you're saying yeah. that you're, you're not experiencing that, you're eating just pure meat and you never felt better, then... That's amazing that that works for you, you know, and it might well be something people want to think about. I mean, if you think about it this way, it's as close to our ancestors' natural human diet as you can possibly get. So, you know, we were we were from, or we originated as hunters and gatherers. Mm -hmm. So we were going out and, you know, like finding live animals and, you know, killing them and eating them. We would use like we eat it nose to tail mm -hmm. and organ meats that's another story as well but organ meats have are the most nutrient dense foods that you will you will ever consume I way was, more than muscle meat yeah i was uh you know the giblets in the turkey 
I was cooking them up to make a gravy and my, my kids were like, what's in that? And I was like, well, heart and lungs and liver. And they were like, mom, you're spoiling Christmas. Stop speaking about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't actually eat the heart, uh, but I, had, I was enjoying the liver. And I was like, oh, this would make a nice sort of patty or something, but I was just enjoying it as it is. But um, so do you eat liver and stuff like that? So liver is a weird one for me. Um... I know it's brilliant. I know it has a lot of health benefits, a lot of nutrients to it. It's very, very good for you. It's a very acquired taste. Yeah. Enjoy cool. liver. And some some say you might prefer it more if you don't cook it all the way through. So have it part partly cooked, maybe part raw. And I've I've come across people that just eat it raw out of the packet. Mm-hmm. Not quite got there yet. Um, it's not the nicest tasting thing. Um, what else have I had, organ-wise? I've had, I've had kidney. Kidney wasn't too bad. I've also have, I've had pig heart. Mm-hmm. That was surprisingly nice. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting that to be good. And I've been told that tongue. Now it didn't. It did specify which animal it came from, but tongue is supposed to be very, very nice. Mm, I think I've had tongue before. Yeah, it was a while. I was in a fancy restaurant. <laughs> but I was I drank too much that night, so I don't really remember it. <laughs> they were giving you the wine tasters and stuff. Um, oh, that's really, honestly, it's interesting. I wasn't expecting to to sort of hear that and how passionate you are about it. So um, thank you for sharing that. It'd be, it'd be um, let us know how you... Um, Feel, are you planning to do it for like 12 weeks or are you what's your thoughts so the other half actually asked if we wanted to do it for 12 weeks in the start of january mm-hmm. um and i said yeah no problem but because i've done 12 weeks before mm-hmm. i only came off it last time purely because oh that's it 12 weeks are over and it's just i wish i hadn't because everything that came with it benefit wise all the value they got from it just suddenly dropped and you go back to normal living where you're dragging your feet and you feel like everyone else, you know, you get tired like everyone else and sluggish and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, when when I, if I could show you my blood, bloods over like the last few weeks to even the end of last year when I was doing keto, you wouldn't even think I was diabetic. And you know, from, if, if, if you were a, a diabetes consultant in the Royal Infirmary, you would you would be doing backflips if you saw my blood because you'd think, like, oh, you're cured or whatever. Nah. But it, if I come off this and I start eating carbohydrates again, and I learned this from that Dr. Bernstein, the diabetes book, the more carbohydrates you consume, the less control you're going to have over your blood sugar as a as a diabetic mm-hmm. and it's just not worth it and you know it might it might mean socially that i have to miss out on certain things mm-hmm. but i've proved myself so many times if i eat right monday to friday and when i say eat right i mean eat like i am now and then it gets to the weekend and i think oh you know what i'm going to go out i'm going to have a drink and i love cider by the way Cider's like, if I'm going to drink alcohol, I love cider. Uh, but I shouldn't have it because it's loaded in sugar. 
Um, and I'll probably eat, you know, a takeaway and maybe get a McDonald's or a KFC or something on the Sunday. For most people, they will feel rough the next again day, or if you're over the age of 30, it'll probably last two days. Mm. I've been finding that out now. But for me, it is a week-long battle of trying to get my blood back under control. Mm. And I've proved to myself so many times, I've, and I've asked myself, when are you going to accept that it's just no worth doing this? And I feel that at this point in my life, that's where I am now. Mm-hmm. Started 2022, you know, with the, the way the world is right now, you don't, like, it, it's, I, I think it's partly my age as well, you know, like I'm in my early 30s, I don't have the want to go out and drink every weekend anymore. Um, my health is, like I said at the start of this chat, it, it's right up there, keeping my diabetes on point, keeping everything else uh, in check, mental health, physical health, all that. And it all ties in with being a a PT as well. I mean, it goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. But I think for the the long run, I can see me doing this for quite some time. And um, no, I'll be interested to see see how it pans out. I'll be be asking you. And the last time I did, like I said, every month I recorded the differences that I real, realised were happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm only like, like two weeks into it or something just now. So mm-hmm. I've not really noticed much of a change yet, apart from bloods are absolutely amazing. But in terms of better sleep quality and the energy levels and things like that, um, I'm expecting to see that improve over the next a few weeks to the months and stuff so we'll see what happens down the line oh we'll keep us posted no it's been really interesting to hear your story and chat to you and hear your kind of mindset tips as well i always end the podcast with asking is there a song that helps you fire up your mojo or a couple of songs that get you going well here's another controversial one i'm a i've got a, a massive music background but i was bred with the the rock and metal scene <laughs> so oh there's 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 too many i suppose what well, I'm, I'm going through an 80s rock theme right now so in the at the gym that i work at we do spin classes and for this month of january i've got um 80s rock as the playlist and one of my favorite tracks is actually right at the end when we're stretching off but it's called um it's Rock of Ages by Def Leppard. Amazing. Yeah, Rock of Ages. I'm going to dance around the kitchen to that later. I always love to know. Rock of Ages by? Def Leppard. Lovely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I have uh, loved chatting to you. I'll put your details in the show notes if anyone wants to find out more. Keep prioritizing your health and um, inspiring others. And yeah, it's just been really great to have you on. So thank you so, so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Hey, a rock song, baby. Still rolling. Keep a rolling. Rock of ages. Rock of ages. Still rolling, rock and rolling. Death Leopard, rock of ages, guys. One for your playlist if you're into rock. You can even twerk to rock. I'm doing one now, but out.
cheek. Like anything, keep an open mind, guys. Be kind, um, judge less, live on love more, and always make time for some singing and dancing. Mwah. You got this. <laughs>